0: and we are live with the standing room spartans podcast i'm kevin he is scott and we are here on a wednesday afternoon recording our preview for the akron game the akron zips heading into the woodshed on saturday uh i don't even know what time this game is um 4 p.m 4 p.m there we go um so we'll get into that. We'll talk about the preview. We'll we'll kind of give you some information, some background stuff about Akron, and then some matchup stuff that we'll get into as well. But we got to start with the news over the last couple of days here, which is some recruiting news, which we haven't had in a little while here. Michigan State lands a commitment from cornerback Colton Hood out of uh, McDonough, Georgia in the 2023 class. He was a uh, three star by the composite and by twenty four seven, but pretty impressive offer list here with uh, Clemson, Florida, LSU, a bunch of the the SEC really, uh, Penn State's on there as well. So looks like a good get. Somebody that I think has been kind of circling around MSU um, commitment watch for a couple months now. So nice that he uh, has verbalized that and. Added the, um, I think the class is up to what, like 14 guys now. So we are looking like we're in good shape here moving forward and, uh, added another corner to the class, the third corner to come with, uh, Chance Rucker and Eddie Pleasant. So
1: any thoughts there on Colton hood? Just more depth. You know, you never know which recruits going to hit. So love to have it, um. I'm interested to see how the secondary recruiting develops um, with last year's results and uh, in the scheme we're playing. But, I mean, you can't complain. His offer list is a little better than uh, his three stars, I think. A uh, decent amount of, I'd say, mid-tier Power 5 offers. Um, so, yeah, love to have it. The 23 class is obviously rounding out some big visits coming to campus now that games have started um which will be probably the last big push of official visits heading into the early signing period later this fall so uh can't complain there's i know crystal ball is floating around for another recruit but we won't spend time on crystal balls uh we'll just wait for commitments
0: yeah and and michigan state did a ton of their official visits over the summer so you know a lot of schools do a lot of official visits during the season Uh, obviously we're going to have a lot of those as well but um probably not as many as some other schools out there, but I know quite a few people were in attendance, be it official or unofficially on uh, on Friday night. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what what plays out here over the next couple months. You know, we've talked about it a hundred times already, but once the season really kicks off, uh, to be frank, my attention span for recruiting uh, dips down even further lower than uh, than it already was. So when commitments come up, we will make sure we, that we talk about them. But otherwise, uh, you're probably not going to hear a ton of recruiting news from us over the next couple months here. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it is Wednesday. We're a couple days out from game day. And I put the call out on Facebook, as we will be doing all season long, before we get into our takes and our um, opinions about this football contest against the Akron zips. Uh put it out on Facebook. That's the Standing Room Spartans community. Why will MSU win or lose against Akron? Again, if you're not a part of the Facebook group, you can join. The link is in the show notes there. Uh, A couple good responses here. Scott L. Brown, why we would lose? Well the entire team gets accidentally locked in the locker room and nobody can find the spare key. Uh, I don't know if they'd start the game if that were the case, but, uh, why we win while well, we're Spartan dogs. Uh, TJ says our offensive line starts to show itself as a top half of the big 10 group. And Thorne finds the sharpness that he la- lost last week. Uh, Sean Vergovin, why we lose the first team gets good, uh, gets good poisoning. I'm assuming he meant food poisoning. Cause there's no such thing as good poisoning. Um, the first team gets food poisoning. So we're playing the third string players. um, scott do you think we could beat akron with our third string because
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be talking about might be and
0: hauser getting the start um jordan simmons in the backfield with um
1: i think you'd start i think we would still have the advantage i think in a lot of the matchups but i think you could find maybe a couple positional matchups where akron is uh at least competitive, if not has a slight edge against the third strings. I'm just thinking about like offensive line, right? You're starting, yeah, like we'd have a, all basically true all true freshmen and walk ons. <laughs> um, our third string punter would probably be like Tyler Hunt. Um, I, I think we'd win, I, but I I think it'd be scrappy. I mean, there there aren't many division one teams where I think we would have a legit, like, maybe would still be favorites against with third string but i think if of that short list akron is probably near the top of it i mean this truly is one of the worst fbs teams or at least was last year one of the worst fbs teams in the country so
0: yeah and the last one i'll read off here jay austin why we lose uh we win close in overtime so he's not even prepared to give any sort of way that we would possibly lose like worst cases we still win in overtime thereby figuratively losing the rest of the season before it has even been played. Uh, I think I'm with you there, Jay. If if this game goes into overtime, it's going to be a long year.
1: Why do we uh, win? Go ahead. I was going to say, if we in 2020 almost beat Rutgers with seven turnovers against us or not in our favor, uh, I find it hard to believe we could lose we could find a way to lose to Akron. Rutgers would probably beat the shit out of Akron, pardon my French. Pretty comfortable. So, yeah. Um, and that twenty twenty MSU team was was nowhere near as talented as the twenty twenty two team. So yeah, I mean, it's it's truly hard to drum up a a, a realistic scenario where I could project us losing this game.
0: Yeah, and the the why we win from Jay Austin was Thorne gets his distances dialed in during practice this week and Noah Kim gets some quality. I I like the the idea of Peyton Thorne. It's it's like, you know, if you're a golfer out there, it's like Peyton Thorne with his six iron dialing it into, you know, 180 yards and then his uh his his nine iron is is right there at the number at 158 or whatever <laughs> it is like just imagining Thorne kind of working through like a golf swing um so yeah that was uh we'll, we'll keep doing that throughout the year again if you're not a part of the facebook group make sure that you get in there um but before we get to the preview here nfl is starting in exactly one day which is crazy to me that that kind of flew up out of nowhere On football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL is almost here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5, get $200 in free bets instantly, and as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. So it's simple, bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network of, which we're a proud member. You get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details um all right let's let's dive into akron here i have i have a few numbers factoids that i dug up about the akron zips that just need to be shared um, without really any added context needed so first of all, I will acknowledge that this year, Akron does have a new football coach. Um, Joe Moorhead comes over from uh, from Penn State. He was uh, a head coach before at Mississippi State, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, none of this was done under his watch, uh, except for the game uh, last week. But <laughs> the Akron Zips football program, this is, some of this is remarkable. Their last 3 games against power 5 opponents. There was a 60 to 10 loss against Auburn, a 59 to 7 loss against Ohio State, and a 42 to 3 loss against Illinois. The point spread for the Michigan State Akron game the last I checked was 34 and a half. Akron has gotten beat by 35 or more 10 times in the last 3 seasons. Only three of those were to Power Five teams. The other seven were to MAC teams. Those so seven times in three seasons, they lost to MAC teams by thirty-five plus. Uh, last week, they were outgained. They they won in overtime, but they were outgained by Saint Francis, four hundred forty-three to three hundred and seventy-four. And I started thinking, you know, these yardage totals—it's another way to look at uh, you know your control over a game since the start. Of 2018. So that's three and a half seasons. If you count the the COVID season, that's like a half year. Since the start of 2018, they have outgained an FBS opponent three times. So that's you know what, 12 times three, 36. They they played like like 40 games against FBS opponents. They outgained them at the end of the game three times. Uh, 2019, there was one game here. A 6-6 six and six Ohio Bobcats team beat Akron 52-3 the final week of the season. The final yardage total of that game, Ohio 603, Akron 74. <laughs> I have never seen anything like that. Uh, and to cap it all off, the cherry on top, Akron has been to three bowl games in my lifetime so this is a program that's down bad and (laughs) this is uh again a new head coach as you can clearly hear um they've got their work cut out for them it's it's gonna be a tough rebuild uh their their start to the season again last week against saint francis of pennsylvania uh, that's not an FPS football program. They won in overtime 30 to 23. And I guess we'll start from there, Scott. Um, before we get into the Michigan State side of things and the the matchups and what we're going to be kind of looking for through this game. Um, besides all of that, what stands out to you about Akron? Um, what kind of things are you looking for uh, from their team, from their program?
1: as we line up on uh, Saturday afternoon. Well, as I sat down to gather some talking points for this game, I tried, I really did try. I tried to find interesting factoids that would make that, that would make Akron itself agnostic to the matchup. Interesting. And all I was really left with was like cool names. Um, The interesting part is how bad they are, and I just – it's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's – the best name, Shockey Jacques-Louis, he came over from Pitt. He had one catch in the Peach Bowl last year, um, and he's a grad transfer senior. He had eight catches for 122 yards and a touchdown in their first game, so he had a good game. Um, Their quarterback, DeMarcus Irons Jr., um, 38 pass attempts and another 12 rushes, so a little bit of a dual threat. He's uh, He's been there for a couple years. Last year, he he played in eight games and had 892 passing yards, so uh, not exactly lighting the world on fire. Um, Jess Lord Boateng, you may remember, from Michigan State, uh, transferred to Akron a couple years ago, still on their team, um, played most of last year, I had like 80 tackles, and it continues to play this year. So, you may hear that name ring a bell. Uh, all in all, Akron doesn't have a whole lot to write home about. Um, really struggled when you go to overtime against a team where the broadcast has to specify what state they're from because no one's heard of them being St. Francis. Uh, it's just it's it's tough. It's going to be a really fun game for michigan state fans to watch i think we're going to see obviously a heavy disparity in um talent and i think we're going to get a great opportunity to see the depth on our team you mentioned noah kim hopefully he gets a good spell i was i was thinking back after the western game on what his film study would look like um 0 for one through a bomb through drew a penalty i don't even know if it counts as over for one because there was a penalty on it so you yeah, know no for you know he spent the last week just watching that throw on loop over and over <laughs> keeping him up at night the perfectionist that he is so uh yeah i mean it's just it's uh yeah akron i don't know it's tough to to drum up things to talk about in this one other than that i'm really excited to see us boat race um akron right out of town and honestly if we didn't cover the spread i'd be pretty disappointed in this game
0: so you mentioned it is it is difficult to find things exclusively about akron that are interesting to talk about um i kind of had this saved up we'll we'll dive into it quickly uh if anybody was curious the akron zips uh the name comes from zippers the shoe uh from the bf goodrich company of akron They So Akron had a contest around the university. They wanted to choose the nickname for the athletic teams. This is in 1925. The suggestions, the the finalists, Scott, I'm going to make you pick one of these. Uh, The finalists included the Akron Golden Blue Devils, the Tip Toppers, the Rubbernecks, the Hillbillies, the Kangaroos, And the chevaliers if you were the athletic director and you had that to work with what would you have gone to oh the other one was the zippers
1: i i mean they're named after a part of a shoe so i'm probably gonna eliminate zips um right off the top hillbillies is funny rubberneckers is funny but like it doesn't have too much ring um I'd probably just go with the kangaroos because it's like the only thing that even mildly resembles, um, like a, a thing that could be a mascot. You know, you can make a mascot out of a kangaroo, and actually their logo is a kangaroo. So I don't know if your story there had any background on how the logo ended up being a kangaroo while their name was not written. at all. <laughs> if second no place gets the logo, first place gets the name. That's pretty terrible. They just Marcus decided strategy, to meet but, them together. <laughs> um. And the mascot,
0: Zippy. Zippy is a female kangaroo and one of only eight female college mascots in the United States. Scott, can you name the other seven? Because I can't. Uh, (laughs) No idea what other female mascots there are. Do you have the list? Uh, I'm trying to find via uh, the Wikipedia um, source that they list. All right, but here we go. Female mascots joined Capital One here, so.
1: All America mascot team. Uh, this is a news report from 2012. We're going to dig some stuff up here. Um, oh, geez. I think that like Oregon is, is dog... Bevo
0: of Be- Bevo is not a female
1: cow, right? Um, is female mascots uh... in FBS college football? Here we go. The Alberta Gator of florida the female counterpart to elbert appeared in 1984 but it doesn't sound like she stuck frida falcon of bowling green made her initial appearance in 1966 she emerged officially in 1980 as freddie's little sister and sidekick (laughs) so another kind of batman robin situation josephine bruin of ucla the first female mascot joe josie Joined the sideline in 67. Best known for blowing quis- kisses like a beauty queen. Yeah, we're not going to dive down that road. Uh, New Mexico, Lobo Lucy. Um, joined Louis, so it's another male-female combo. There's a lot of these. I'm trying to find one that... Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ralphie the Buffalo of Colorado. I was going to say, is that... Ralphie's an awful name for a female mascot, but maybe they didn't check before before they named Ralphie. Or maybe Ralphie's always the name and the gender can switch. Or maybe they just picked <laughs> Ralphie. Gender neutral. <laughs> uh, Sasha the Cougar of Houston. Meow, Sasha. Um, Arkansas State has Scarlet the Red Wolf. Oh, now paired with Howell, another pair. Sue E. Pig of Arkansas. But that just says that they appeared in nineteen nineties. There's not a lot. Um that are well, good on for their Akron. Own. So yeah, good for Akron. In 2007, Zippy was the winner of the National Capital One mascot of the Year challenge. Oh. So hang around well, Zippy. I don't know. They if win if something
0: it's, and it's clearly not football games. So hey, good for them. Well, They're they won something, something right.
1: fifteen years ago.
0: Yeah, well. They've won four football games in the last three seasons. No, in the last four seasons combined. So, you know, they've got something going on over there. Um, I want to talk about some things that we're going to look for in this game, uh, but obviously more from the MSU side. But before I do, Scott, what have you been listening to recently? Like tunes
1: wise? Just anything. Uh the standing room spartan's podcast available well, on all of your str- podcast <laughs> streaming platforms do you know how and when you're listening my, do you know how good my voice sounds through raycon headphones
0: i do actually uh because i've been listening to the standing room spartan's podcast and it's been great one reason it's been great is because specifically because of my raycon wireless earbuds Uh, Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so very comfortable and they will not budge. Raycon gives you 8 hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life, and half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder everyday earbuds from Raycon have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They've got customizable sound profiles. They've got earbud tap functions. They've got noise isolation. Go to Ray- buyraycon.com slash tppn today to get your 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tppn. Score 15% off buyraycon.com slash tppn. Uh, so, Going back to this matchup here, Scott, I was curious. I was pondering this uh, over my coffee this morning. And you try to find ways to make a 35-point spread should be a blowout game interesting. And, you know, the obvious stuff is to start talking about the backups you're going to see. But there's one thing I was wondering about, and when we compare this game to Western Michigan... I was curious if there is one thing that you think we saw on Friday, whether this is a player performance, whether this is uh, some kind of positional thing that surprised us, whatever the case may be, something that you saw on Friday night that you think we will see a repeat of this coming Saturday. And then something that we saw on Friday night that you think will be notably different. Again, it's a player performance. It's a, a player that was playing a certain position or a certain role. So I'm curious if you have anything thought up there for either of those.
1: I think we will once again see Peyton Thorne with a lot of touchdown passes on not a lot of attempts. Uh, hmm. I was kind of comparing this game to Youngstown State last year because it's a similar, you know, your, 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 Biggest disparity game on the schedule, right? The one you'd expect to win by the most. Peyton Thorne against Youngstown State last year had 15 completions on 21 attempts and four touchdowns. We saw last week he had 12 completions on 24 attempts and four touchdowns against a better defense than we'll see this Saturday. I expect him to play at least the first half, if not the first three quarters, and again have probably less than 20 completions in at least three to four touchdowns Uh, i think we'll see that again uh i was thinking receivers are explosive yeah i was
0: thinking with peyton thorn as well but on the other side of it um just in the sense of like last week we saw a lot of just missed throws and missed timing and and some overthrows and again i think that all kind of goes back to just the unique circumstances of that game week one under the lights Friday night dad's on the other sideline um and I think you know Peyton Thorne he's gonna recognize all of that he seems like a pretty sharp kid in the sense that he kind of is is very self-aware and recognize that get that sorted out so I think we'll see a lot sharper Peyton Thorne on a throw-to-throw basis You'll see a lot more of hitting guys in the numbers. You'll see him, you know, back to what we saw more of last year, a lot more accurate than he was on Saturday, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with, we'll probably see a a few fair amount of touchdown passes in there as well. But I just expect on a throw to throw basis for him to look a little sharper than he did last week, get some of that stuff fixed. Um, For me on the, the stuff that I expect to be pretty similar, um, Jalen Berger is going to run for a hundred plus yards again. I, I would be shocked if he didn't. Um, he's going to have another one or two runs that he rips off like he did uh, last week against Western. He had that long run and uh, he'll go over a hundred yards. He'll have a touchdown or two. And I think um, this week you might see 200 yard rushers with him and Broussard. But uh, I think the Jalen Berger performance is definitely going to repeat uh, from a statistical standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think Broussard continues to uh, get comfortable. I'd love to see, did I say Broussard? I think Berger will continue to get comfortable. I would love to see Broussard get involved earlier in the game this weekend. I know he he came on in the second half last week, and he looked pretty good. Um, I'd love to see him, I'd love to see them develop that one-two punch as more of a consistent thing throughout the game rather than Broussard kind of coming in when it's, later when burger maybe is a little more worn. Um, I personally, I like the idea of using them in tandem more than like last week. It felt a little bit like burger was, was the guy and Broussard was the spellback, even though Broussard ended up with a decent number of touches. Um, it still felt like they were leaning on burger until the game was in better shape. I wouldn't say totally in hand with how that third quarter panned out. Uh, but I would love to see Broussard getting first quarter touches um, and, uh, yeah, I think we could certainly see, like you said, 200 yard performances last year against Youngstown state, Jordan Simmons had 120 yards and Kenneth Walker had 57 on seven touches. Uh, there were some other getting mixed in, but, um, yeah, I think this game, how should I put this? The coaches know that the passing game is going to be effective this year. That's If it wasn't, I think that would be a major surprise. What we don't know is how effective the the running game is, and I think you look at this game from a developmental perspective, it's a great opportunity to really push some guys to see what you have in the running game and get them comfortable with it. So as long as we're getting that five yards carry again, I expect us to lean heavy on the run in this one.
0: And and St. Francis last week ran for 189 yards against Akron, so... This is a this is a confidence builder run for 300 yards as a team. You know, this is one of those where you get your offensive line feeling real good going into Seattle next week. So that when they're on the flight over there, they're all kind of, you know, sitting there looking at each other like, yeah, we're the baddest dudes out here. We just ran for 300 yards. We just pushed these guys around like um it was the, you know, I, I think about the um the Adam Sandler quote from uh, The Longest Yard where he was asking him for advice about what, what to do and he was talking about his time at Florida State. He's like, you schedule a, a cupcake, kick the living shit out of them, build the confidence up, right? And that's I think that's key for an offensive line who hasn't had a ton of snaps together as a unit um, and with a couple guys individually in Baldwin and Brown at the tackle spots. Build that confidence. Get a few pancakes. I mean, just knock some dudes around. Lean on them. Run for, I I mean, shoot, five yards of carry. I'm looking for like seven, eight, nine yards of carry against this Akron defense and and really build some confidence in that side. So um, whether we see basically exclusively Berger and Broussard like we did last week, I'm not sure. Maybe we do try to mix in Elijah Collins and jordan simmons and harold joiner a bit more this week but yeah i think the run game is is gonna put up some pretty impressive numbers
1: i also think last week there's no way mel tucker was satisfied with the amount that we had the ball and obviously running the ball effectively is a great way to own time of possession and there's just in a game like this, no reason to get your offense off the field faster. I mean, we're certainly going to take touchdowns when they (laughs) present themselves. Um, But I, I think Mel Tucker certainly wants to develop the ability to control the ball a lot better than we did week one against Western.
0: Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious here on the defense side we know that we're going to be without Darius Snow for the first time, and we are fairly certain, I think I can speak for both of us, that Xavier Henderson won't be playing on Saturday. What do we think we're going to see there? I mean, is is there going to be a heavy rotation of guys trying to fill those spots? Is there going to be some like legit competition? Uh, do you think that the coaching staff has, well, this was the backup, so he's going to come in and that's that. I I'm curious because there was a lot of talk on social media that I've seen about you know, hey, maybe let's try Dylan Tatum. Let's let's give him some reps uh at that Darius Snow uh or that Xavier Henderson role at safety, right? We know that kind of skill set that box player um that's something that he could develop into. Is AJ Kirk going to get some reps? Is uh you know, you you kind of go down the line there. So I'm I'm curious what you think what we're going to see um, at either of those spots, and is there is there any real competition or do you think that those spots are still pretty secured already, knowing what the, the who the backups are?
1: When Mel Tucker, I don't know if it was his post game or his early week press conference, but in one of them he was asked about the injuries and and what the plan was there. And he specifically answered around Xavier Henderson um, and Kendall Brooks, and he said, you know Kendall Brooks is the next man up in X's spot, so he's going to be who we're leaning on. Uh, and I think that is an easier position to just kind of fit in the next guy down the depth chart and keep rolling. Uh, and we saw it last week. As long as Kendall Brooks was available, he was the one in the game. Mangum came in, but again, that was kind of in a pinch. Um, I think Kendall Brooks, as long as the starters are in, is the guy at that position, just based on Mel Tucker's tone. The linebacker spot was Darius Snow vacating it. I, I think Ben Van Summeren is is clearly uh, and Cal Halliday, I guess, because Ben Van Summeren started last week. I think those two are clearly the two uh, in that four-two-five. My curiosity is in those three linebacker sets where Kimbro came out and we had Halliday, Snow, and Van Summeren on the field at the same time with Snow in the slot. Who fills that role? To me. Aaron Brule seems like a kind of obvious answer. He's probably the most athletic of the group behind that top two. But do we just see more of Kimbro, right? Do we just see less three linebacker looks now? Or do they continue to try to develop that same playbook with new personnel? Uh, but as long as we're in the base 4 5 with five DBs out there, I think it's it's Halliday and Van Summer until the starters come out.
0: Well, I'm going down a similar path, I'm curious what we're going to do on third down because it seemed like Darius Snow was very clearly going to be involved on every third down, um, or every passing down situation, I should say, replacing Cal Halliday if need be. So when you have Cal Halliday and Ben Van Sumeren as your starting two linebackers, I think that's great. You're fine, but we've talked about a hundred times. Like one of the one of the things that really gave me a lot of optimism going into this year for the defense was that. Darius Snow was going to shore up that middle of the field pass coverage on third down. And without that, I think with Van Sumeran and Cal Halliday, you're getting into some dangerous territory. And this is not about Akron, this is more of a long term thing, but you're getting into some dangerous 2021 territory where you have two linebackers who are productive and good, but neither of them excel in the passing game. Uh, I think that's pretty fair to say, at least from what we've seen already. Uh, Van Sumeren obviously hasn't had a ton of snaps. It's too early to judge him, but I I don't think that he's going to be a dynamic guy in coverage the same way that Darius Snow would be. So I'm curious to see what we do on third down. Does Brule kind of fill that role Is, as a little bit more athletic, a little bit of a fluid mover? Uh, Van Sumeren, he, he moves really well, and we saw that, but I think his speed is more straight-line explosiveness, whereas Brule, I think, has a little bit more um, agility to his game, so maybe that helps him in pass coverage. Uh, but yeah, that that's going to be a hole that I think we'll be struggling to fill all year. And I put out a poll on on Twitter uh, the other day. At, I don't even remember, say yesterday or the day before it was... You know, coming out of Friday's game, now we've had a couple days to chew on it. What is more likely, based on what we saw Friday night, a a Michigan State loss to Rutgers or a win against Ohio State? So basically, like other than Akron, probably the worst team on the schedule that we all penciled in as a win. Do we see that as more likely than beating the team that we all had penciled in for a loss? I think without Darius Snow again this is getting way out of ourselves here in a game preview for Akron but I think without Darius Snow I don't think we're beating Ohio State because that that role is so important to protect the middle of the field in pass coverage and it it gave me so much hope and without that I j- I just don't think we have that guy so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what we do on third down and uh, and like you said, even just in base downs where we were kind of moving things around and, and confusing offenses, that filling in for Darius Snow is going to be a really, really tall order.
1: Yeah, when you look at, you mentioned pass coverage over the middle of the field, you just look at last week, um, you know, traditionally the the players that a linebacker would be covering are running backs and tight ends. And they, Jack Salapak the Western Michigan quarterback, had 21 completions last week. Um, nine of them were to running backs and tight ends, and another five were to their slot receiver, who, again, is either going to be covered by your slot DB, DB or a linebacker or a safety. But nonetheless, that's the middle of the field, right? You've got your slot wide receiver, your tight ends, and your and your running backs. And you could feel it in last last game that, the majority of their bigger completions were over the middle of the field it was it was the tight end catching it 7 yards out and getting another 5 after the catch it was you know a pocket in that between the linebackers and safeties that was clearly the weak point right it was very infrequent that the outside corners were giving up completions or were even being thrown at for that matter so now you have two of your better coverage guys in the middle of the field and xavier henderson and darius snow not playing we'll see how long xavier henderson's out and yeah for this game i'm not it's not anything to panic about but as you project down the the rest of the schedule it's going to become a bigger and bigger story and we still don't even know if Kenneth Brooks can cover right he made some great tackles in open space but he hasn't really i don't think been challenged to uh to cover in space so yeah, I mean, it's it's a hole, and you want to certainly see it look good this week. You want to see everyone look good this week. And I'm not sure we're going to get a good read on on that capability uh, until we play a better passing team. I'm not even sure Washington's going to be that kind of challenge. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be – it certainly gives me reason to pause as well um, as you look down the schedule.
0: Yeah, and the last thing that I'll be – Looking for as far as this matchup and this week, I think we'll probably try to in in some situation. You know, when you have some of these games, a lot of times coaches like to try out the you know the fourth down conversion play, the two point play, whatever it is that you get to some of those fourth and twos and you might already be up by 24 points, but you go for it just to, you have an excuse to practice it in real time, right? I don't think we're going to see as much of that, especially once we get into Akron territory, because we might see a live kicking competition right in front of our very eyes. I think you're going to see, you're going to try to, The coaches aren't going to try to kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, but in scenarios that in the modern age of college football, where you would typically go for it on fourth down, I think you're going to see them trot out the field goal kickers because we're going to need to know again, as we start getting into some bigger games, we're going to need to know what we have in the kicking game. We're gonna need to see Jack Stone put one through the uprights, or if he misses the first field goal attempt, you're gonna see them trot out um oh god, what's his name? The Auburn kid. Ben something. Um Patton. the Ben guy, <laughs> Ben Patton. Um, you're gonna see him trot out Steven Russell. Like we we very well might see a live kicking competition if we line up for a field goal early. And uh, and Jack Stone misses, especially if it's as bad a miss as it was last week. Um, I'm definitely going to be looking for that. So while everybody else is cheering for touchdowns, I'm going to be hoping that we at least find some paths for for two or three field goal attempts to give me some comfort going into some of these bigger games.
1: One fun thing to watch, um, just perusing the St. Francis-Akron box score, St. Francis, Pennsylvania, Red Flash defense uh, had six sacks against Akron week one. Um, One of their defensive ends had three sacks on his own. That has to be spooky to Akron's coaching staff after MSU put up seven sacks against Western Michigan last week, including obviously the breakout performance by Jacoby Windman. Yeah, their Um, left tackle's not sleeping this week. (laughs) So I'm going to give you a quick prop here. Does Jacoby Windman over under, let's go over under four and a half, so there's no pushes, Eh, three and a half, over under three and (laughs) and a half sacks for Jacoby Windman, um, does he stay on pace for 48 sacks this season?
0: Uh, I'll take the under just, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, like a, a four-sack game is so rare that even against a bad offensive line and a bad team, but it would not surprise me in the least if we're coming on here on next Monday and saying, holy cow, Jacoby Winman has eight sacks already in the first two games of the year. It'll be like, um, you remember that year with Shalik Calhoun where the first like three weeks, four weeks, he had like three touchdowns five sacks three forced fumbles it was just like he was getting legitimate heisman buzz through september because he was just putting up these stupid numbers that we all knew weren't going to continue we knew he wasn't going to end the year with the nine touchdowns that he was on pace for but uh, maybe we'll see that out of winman where we're coming out of september and he's already got 10 sacks and people are talking heisman um I'll, I'll go under just from a statistical odds standpoint of a four sack game being super rare. Um, and but I think, but I think it's more because other guys will get there this time rather than us just not having that many sacks because we're going to have seven sacks again. I mean, they're going to be down. They're going to be throwing the ball. There's going to be opportunities for it in their offensive line. I would be sh- I would be shocked if they held us under seven with you know 30 passing attempts so
1: for reference just uh as a fun point of context here last season the big 10 sack leader was aiden hutchinson with 14 second was david Ajabo with 11 um for michigan state though our sack leader jacob panacek had seven sacks so i don't necessarily think jacoby winman will break that or tie it this week but i think there is a definite possibility jacoby winman solely because of his week one performance is with the leaders of the big ten and sacks if not leads the big ten and sacks this season given just historical production um, you get
0: started week one with four that that yeah. gives you a pretty good head start
1: if he gets one in the rest of the 11 games that's more than aiden hutchinson had all of last season to lead the big 10 with 14 he'd be at 15 so now one a game in throughout big 10 is it would still certainly be a really impressive season but certainly more achievable than than four um yeah i think (laughs) we have a really fun storyline developing with jacoby winman and it's it's hard to imagine a world where he just gets shut down the rest of the season so i think this is something we're going to be talking about for the next couple of months
0: yeah, so I think that's, uh, I think that about covers it. Uh, it's a, a bad, bad, bad football program that we're playing on Saturday. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, week one against Western Michigan, we're saying it's a MAC team and, you know, we should win pretty comfortably. But if, as long as we come out of there with a, a win, by more than seven points, you know, if if you win somewhat convincingly, it's week one, it's a decent program, you know, you, you can still take some positives out of this. If Michigan State wins this game by less than 28, 20. you know, if if we don't cover, like, all right, if we win by less than 28, I will be legitimately upset. This is a bad, bad football program that we're playing on Saturday. And, I'm also uh, I think that's the expectation
1: I feel like we're I feel like we're due to just have one of those games that it doesn't feel like we've had in a few years against this bad competition I mean last year 42 to 14 against Youngstown state 38 to 21 northwestern um Western 48, Kentucky, 48 what was it, 42, 14? 42 14 42 like, 14 yeah it, it's that's good. Not a not of
0: 56 to 3 you know
1: right it's not michigan beating colorado state 52 to 7 um it's 2020 we didn't have certainly didn't have a game like that we didn't win either of those games that we did win that year by more than nine points it just like i just wanted to see i want to see like a what was that d'antonio score it was like 70 to three or something a few years back uh i think it was 2015 like can we have that can we have a game where i just I, i'm not left feeling like we didn't quite live up to our potential um it's it's not that beating western michigan by 28 points was or 21 points was disappointing necessarily it's just you know there's more in the tank and and they just need to connect the dots to put it together and i'm i'm sure i'm being like wildly selfish right now and and Oh, why can't we just beat somebody by 70? But we're due, you know, am I the only one feeling that way? I feel like we no, we're due because like that,
0: because it's the reality. Like every really elite college football team beats the bad teams by that score. And it's just it, it does feel like it's the one thing that's been kind of missing for us like forever we just we very rarely have those games and you look on the other side of our rivalry and michigan does it every single year to just about every single bad team that they play and i don't want to say that i'm jealous of that but sometimes i watch i flip over to the michigan game against the tune-up mac school and it's 28 nothing after the second quarter and i'm like damn that'd be nice Those fans are probably already just, you know, kind of flipping the channels to the other college football games. They're cracking open another beer and just totally relaxed because the game is they've seen everything they need to see. The game is was never even remotely in question for a single minute. The their good players played good. The backups are already in. You get to see the freshmen and and you move on to another day. You don't even have an ounce of worry. And I'm like,
1: God, that's nice. (laughs) Just looking back at the schedules, it was 2014. uh, That Michigan State team, obviously, arguably the best defense Michigan State's had in the modern era. You could argue last year was better, but they beat Jacksonville State week one, 45 to seven. They beat Eastern Michigan week three, 73 to 14. That was the game I was thinking of. They beat Wyoming week four, 56 to 14, Indiana, 56 to 17, Rutgers, 45 to three. And we have the talent. That's the frustrating Mm -hmm. thing, right? Right. Because you can see it. You can see it in flashes. This guy in one game, that guy in the next game, all the talent and potential is there. It's just, it never seems to come together at the same time on the same game to just give us one of those, kick your feet up and laugh at how ugly it is. And that's what I want. Like last week, Western Michigan was fine, but we were in a one-possession game at the start of the fourth quarter, and you're sitting there like I'm not worried, but I'm annoyed because I right. there's a I'm not I'm not happy with this game.
0: I never for a minute thought we were going to lose that game. There, I mean, there was never it was just annoying like you said there was never an ounce of like oh boy like what if we it was just like no i know we're not gonna lose but this is just annoying can we just put them away we have Jaden reed they don't (laughs) we have keon coleman they don't like can we just please put it away
1: even a 35 point win this weekend where we cover the spread like if we won 42 to 7 i think i would i would leave that game like yeah that was nice but not like yeah, that was nice. You know, like, right. give me like a 56 to three. I don't know. Just, just do it. Just, I know I'm being ridiculous and a win is a win, but just do it because we're due. It's even,
0: you know, again, this is the last thing, but Iowa beat Akron 42 to three, like two years ago. Or not Iowa, sorry, Illinois. Like, Illinois, bottom of the Big Ten team. Beat this same program forty-two to three. So if if we have way more talent than that bad Illinois team did, like come on. So I I don't think you're being that ridiculous here. So I think that's uh, I think that's enough. I think the people got what uh, what they needed out of an Akron preview. So we will be back with our week two picks again. Run your pool. As a reminder for everybody that is currently in the contest, those picks are live. We have uh, I'll read them off for you real quick. Um we've got Alabama against Texas. We've got Texas A&M, Appalachian State, Tennessee Pitt, Iowa, Iowa State, Florida, Kentucky, BYU, Baylor, then obviously Michigan State, Akron. Pretty good slate here for a week 2. Go ahead, make those picks. Make sure that you are um that you are in if you're not yet in the pool. Uh, You can still join. You'll be a week behind, but our leader only has five points. So you've got plenty of time to make that up. We didn't have any like 7-0 and or anything like that. So you got plenty of time to make it up. If you're not in the pool, make sure you join. It'll be a lot of fun throughout the whole season. If you get two weeks behind, that's when you're going to start getting, uh, you know, running out of time real quick. But only one week. You got plenty of time to make it up. Go ahead and join that pool. The link is all over social media and uh, in the episode notes as well. So until we get to our picks, hope everybody has a great hump day and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Go green, go white. Take care, folks.